Hey guys, welcome back to the Greenwood First Student Podcast. We're going to be continuing our walk through the Gospel of John this week. We'll be in chapter 18, covering verses 28 through 40. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up. Let's get into God's Word together and see what we can learn from it this week. If you were able to join us last week, you know that we talked about the beginning of the trial of Jesus. He was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and taken before a man named Annas. And Annas was the former high priest of the Jewish people, and so Jesus was taken before him by this arresting party, and he was questioned by Annas. Annas was questioning him about his disciples and about his teaching, and he was questioning him in a way that he could condemn him in some way for what he had said. Jesus answers him honestly, and Annas can find nothing to condemn Jesus because, well, Jesus wasn't condemnable. And so what he does is he sends him off to Caiaphas, who is the current high priest of the Jewish people. And he sends him to Caiaphas to have another trial, another questioning. And when he gets to Caiaphas, this is not recorded in the Gospel of John. But one of the beauties of Scripture is that we have different Gospels that give us the full picture of the story of Christ. And so when we look in Luke chapter 22, we see that he stands before Caiaphas and along with him, are the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, which is the high council of the Pharisees. And they begin to question him and they ask him, Are you the Christ? Tell us. And Jesus says to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. He goes on to tell them, But I will tell you that the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They ask him then, Are you saying then you are the Son of God? And he says, You say that I am. This causes them uh, much anger and they, they say, what more do we need? What further testimony do we need? We've heard it from our, ourselves from his own lips. And so they use this conversation between Jesus and the Sanhedrin and Caiaphas and the Pharisees to condemn him to death. In their mind, it is over. Jesus is a blasphemer in their book and he is to be put to death. There's just a couple of problems. The first being that they've already broken their own judicial law by holding a trial without witnesses, without testimonies, and they did it at night. All of these things are against the Jewish judicial law. And so when they say, what further testimony do we need? They're saying that in a way of, oh no, we should have testimonies against him, but we've heard this. We, we feel like this is enough. Let's just move forward with it. So they break their own judicial law and they move forward, which is going to cause issue for them later if it was to, to happen the way they normally would hold a, a trial. So they take him to the Roman government because their second problem is they don't have the authority to put a man to death. And so they take him before a man named Pontius Pilate, who is the governor uh, at this time, and they take him hoping that, that Pilate will condemn Jesus based on their accusation. And that's where we're going to pick up this week in verse 28. So let's go ahead and read these verses and we'll talk through these things as we go. There's a couple of different things I want us to focus on, uh, but it all kind of wraps up into one understanding this week. So starting in verse 28 of chapter 18 in the Gospel of John, this is what the Word of God tells us. It says, Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning, and they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. 
So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Now let's just stop there for a moment because some interesting things are already starting to happen. We're talking about the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the Pharisees, the highest ranking members of the Jewish religious people. And so we're talking about men who knew the law, who, who tried to obey the law, live by the law, and were also the ones who uh, handed down the judgment for those who broke the law. And so these are high-ranking men. But we notice some interesting things that are already happening. First, we know that they've already broken their own judicial law to try to condemn Jesus on their own. Then we see them take them to the governor's headquarters in hopes that the Roman government will put Jesus to death because they don't have that authority. But look what happens in the second part of, of verse 28. First it says it was early in the morning reminding us that the trial they had earlier was before sunrise. It was before it was legal to have a trial for them. And then it says they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So here they are in the midst of taking an innocent man and hoping to get him condemned to death. So they're going to lie about Jesus. They're going to try to get Jesus killed and essentially get away with this and, and by doing so commit murder. But they're concerned about breaking the ceremonial law of entering into the headquarters of the governor. There's this ceremonial law that says that you cannot enter into the house of a Gentile without being considered unclean. And then without going through a cleansing ceremony, you would not be able to participate in the Passover. And so they wanted to be able to participate in the Passover and eat the Passover meal, so they wouldn't break the ceremonial law, all the while breaking all of these moral laws and the judicial law. There's such hypocrisy happening in these men, and it really is a picture of what Jesus told them earlier when He said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look so good from the outside. You look clean from the outside, but on the inside you're just you're filthy, you're dead. And we see that happening here. They're unwilling to break these ceremonial laws where people can see, but in their hearts the deceit to lie and, and manipulate for murder are happening, but no one can see that from the inside. And so their actions are fulfilling the words of Christ without them even recognizing it. But let's continue to read. So now the tone has changed from the beginning when they say that we've brought this man and he's been doing evil and that's why we've brought him to you. Pilate says, then take care of it yourself. And then it changes when he says in verse 32, or I'm sorry, the end of verse 31, it says, it's not law for us to put anyone to death. Now this trial has shifted to capital punishment. And so Pilate enters into his headquarters, verse 33. So Pilate entered into his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Now, before we get into the conversation, let's just pause for a second again. We don't know if we just read the Gospel of John. We wouldn't know how Pilate would have known to ask that question. So again, if we look at the other Gospels and we see in Luke that when they bring Jesus before Pilate, one of the things they accuse him of is they say, he is a man who claims to be king. 
They say he claims to uh, be the Messiah. They say he is teaching people to not pay their taxes to Caesar. And these, of course, are all lies, which again break the, uh, the moral law, break actually you know, part of the Ten Commandments. They're bearing false witness against their neighbor. They're sharing false testimony against Jesus. And in doing so, they're, they're trying to, to get Pilate to see this from a, a governmental standpoint. So this man claims to be king, which challenges the authority of Caesar being king. And this is what would be the thing that would put him to death in their eyes. And so that's their hope by saying that he calls himself to be king. Now we see all that happening in the Gospel of Luke. John doesn't share all of that, but goes straight to the question we see in verse 33, where Pilate looks at him and says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answers, verse 34, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered him, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom... Is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Now let's pause there for just a moment again. So Pilate brings Jesus inside the headquarters to have this conversation. He asks him if he is the king. And he is asking, do you say that you are a king? And, and the understanding would be, are you saying that you stand against the king who is Caesar? Do you stand against the Roman government? Do you claim to have a kingdom? Jesus says to him, are you asking me this because you believe this, or are you asking this because these other people have told you this? Pilate answers him by saying, am I a Jew? He's saying, listen, I'm not of your people. I don't know what you claim to be. I don't know who you are. I don't know the things that happen with Jewish people. I'm not a Jew. Your own people are the ones who have handed you over, so you must have done something. What have you done? By Jesus then answers him, and he is saying, my kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus is, is helping Pilate to understand, listen, I'm not here for some uprising. I'm not here to try to turn the Jewish people against the Roman people in some type of political movement. My kingdom is not of this world. It is something much greater. He goes on to say, If it were so, then my servants would have been fighting so that I wouldn't have been handed over. And remember in the garden, Peter tried to start fighting against the Jews who were arresting him. And Jesus said, Put away the sword. Who, who lives by the sword dies by the sword. They weren't fighting to keep him away. But his kingdom is not of the world. Pilate asked him again, so you're saying you are a king? And Jesus answers him the same way he answered the Sanhedrin. You say that I am. You say that I am a king. And then he goes on to tell Pilate his purpose. He says, for this purpose I was born. I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He's telling Pilate, my purpose is to bear witness to the truth, to share the truth, to show people what the truth is. And those who know the truth, they listen to me. Then Pilate asks him an interesting question. He says, what is truth? 
and, and it, we could read past that quickly, but I, I want us to pause for a moment because it really is a question we're still asking today, that society is still asking today, what is truth? And we live in a world of just relative truth. And so truth can actually kind of be fluid. Your truth is true to you and my truth can be true to me and there is no absolute truth. It's a dangerous way to live. As a matter of fact, it's exactly what we see happening here. Here in a moment, Pilate's going to come out and say that he has nothing to condemn Jesus with. And so in Pilate's mind, his truth is that Jesus is innocent. But there's going to be a rebellion of the people in the Sanhedrin, and they're going to say, no, condemn him. He's a blasphemer. He's a liar. Their truth is he's, he's a blasphemer who deserves death. Pilate's truth is he's an innocent man who deserves to walk free. So from different angles, there is no truth because they're not understanding or believing in the truth. And the irony of it is, as, as Pilate is asking what is truth, he is looking at the physical embodiment of truth. And Jesus makes clear that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus makes clear that we will know him, and by knowing him, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. The truth is Christ, and Christ is God. Christ is the Word of God. We learned at the very beginning of the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word of God put in human flesh to come and speak that Word of God to the people on earth is the physical embodiment of Jesus Christ. He is truth. And as Pilate is standing there looking eye to eye with truth, he still doesn't see what is truth. And after he says these things, he, he goes back out to the Jews and he says, I find no guilt in him. And then something happens in verse 39. He says, and this is Pilate speaking, he says, But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. So here's what's happening now. Pilate finds nothing that he can accuse Jesus of. He finds nothing that he is claiming to be a king who is trying to start some type of civil uproar uh, amongst the Jews against the Romans. And so he says, I find nothing to condemn him with. And so he's going to, to ask them, I find no guilt in him, but I have a custom where I show my grace, where I show some mercy to the people of the Jews by releasing one of your prisoners. So how about I release to you this king of the Jews? And the people shout, no, not this man. Give us Barabbas. And then we see it says, now Barabbas was a robber. What we know of Barabbas is that he was a thief that he was a murderer, and he was a man who did incite civil uproar. He wasn't a man that you wanted living in your community. But the people, so enswelled now with anger against Christ, that they are willing to accept back in a vile man into their community so that Jesus might be condemned. What we need to see from this is that our sinfulness, our, our pride, our own understanding of what is right can cause us, standing in the presence of truth, to not recognize truth. My hope for you is that you, you know the Word of God and you know it as truth. 
But the temptation of the world today is that this truth is not full or that it's no longer relevant. But if that's the case, then it cannot be truth. So I want to encourage you that what we have in the Word of God and the teachings of Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ Himself is the answer of what is truth. And it is Him. Jesus Christ is our truth. And so in everything, everything that we do, every decision that we make, every, every choice in life, every scenario in life has to be gauged as believers on our basis of what is truth. And that comes from Scripture. That is the Word of God that we have to know Him by. And so we must focus on truth being the Word of God. If we don't have that, then we're left to our own devices to find out what is truth. And it will leave us to a selfish understanding. The hypocrisy of the Pharisees, not willing to break some laws while openly breaking other laws, this hypocrisy we see in their actions was based on their self-preservation, their truth that Jesus had to be wrong because they needed to be right, regardless of understanding or seeing truth before them. The crowd chanting for a vile criminal to come back into their fold while exiling and condemning Jesus because Jesus wasn't the Messiah that they wanted. He wasn't coming to free them politically and, and governmentally. When your truth is not in Christ, when your truth is not in the one truth, then it can lead us to a lot of ways of, of thinking that are sinful. So I want to encourage you to remember that Christ is truth. His word is truth. And we can be set free in that. Free from our selfish desires. Free from our own understanding of, of what is right, what is wrong. We can rest in the truth of Christ. And let me just share this with you as truth. The truth is, these Pharisees were trying to keep themselves righteous by following certain laws. But the truth is that no one is righteous. The truth is that all have fallen short. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it also, in that same truth, is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ went to the cross that He is moments away from in this text. He went to this cross to save those who would believe in Him from the very sins that were being committed to put Him on that cross. That's grace. That is beautiful, unconditional grace and love. And that is a truth we can trust in. Next week, when we look at this we will continue the conversation between Jesus and Pilate where he is eventually condemned to crucifixion. And we'll look at the cross and we'll look at the beauty of the cross and the things that it allows for us to have now because of the sacrifice of that cross. So I hope you'll join next week as we look at this. I hope this week that remembering that Christ is the truth that we need will give you give you a, a peace about everything that's going on around you in your life because we can trust in the truth of who Jesus Christ is. So until we see each other again or meet again in this format next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you in all that you do.